0: Wednesday. It is. It's my favorite day. Oh, that's better. A little bit more. Down, 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 down. There we go. Better. Hey. Hi. Trying to get the light right. It's sunny in Portland, which is unheard of. Yay.
1: What's that about? Hey. Hey. So the first week with the clinic being opened, it must have been crazy.
0: We have one patient, so we are, we are doing what is called a soft opening, right. which, as Candice Elliott so eloquently put it, <clears throat> we're um, building the airplane while it's flying. <laughs> so, Sandra is still implementing the um, ele- EMR, electronic medical record system. We are trying to teach an old dog. Cute, but old dog, new tricks. And our first patient is a girl from New York that is a sister of a friend of mine. And um, she had a full motorcycle helmet on, full face helmet and everything. She was doing 40 miles an hour. And a car went through a stop sign right in front of her that's a good face she slammed on the brakes the vespa scooter she was riding on slid sideways and she slammed into the car at 25 30 miles an hour and fractured left side right left left side zygomatic arch the force and this is with a full helmet on right fractured the mandible at the condyles on both sides. So just below the condyles, fractured the maxilla in the um, cornflakes rather than grape nuts okay, and um, wires down here, screws and plates holding all of this together. And her treatment goal was to um, I forgot to call in her x-rays today. Her treatment goal was to get the swelling in her face down. She didn't mind the fact she could only bend her head forward 30 degrees. Okay. Couldn't rotate it. Um, So we got the, so when you, in order to get the swelling down, you reduce inflammation, right? Correct. But the accident was three months ago. So if you're going to try and get the fluid out of her face Mm -hmm. by reducing swelling and congestion, what do you have to do first? Clear the scarring out of the lymphatics. So I had one unit, um, that's the advantage. I just used precision cares on the first day. One unit from her neck to her chest, just running scarring in the lymphatics and just clean that up and then vitality in the lymphatics all polarized. Okay. And then metallic toxin. Mm-hmm. She's got 16 plates holding her zygomatic arch and her jaw together. Right. Bunch of teeny little screws, no nerve damage, except that her gums are numb because they went up through her gums to put in all the screws. Right. That's just miraculous. Anyway, so at the end of it, her pain was down from a five. Did I mention she was an athlete? No. So she said, it's not really pain, it's discomfort. Hmm. And then I had her do the 10-centimeter line, hmm. and her pain was a five. Okay. So in the normal world, that's pain, but she played soccer. She's 29. She played soccer her whole life through college. So her five is anybody else's six or seven? At least. Yeah. So metallic toxin, inflammation, torn and broken. That was all the first day. And then the second day we could do scarring in the periosteum and the nerve and scarring in the vagus. But at the end of the first day, she said, oh, I have cheeks again. So her face, instead of being round, she had these cute little dimples. Uh, And then we doubled her range of motion in all ranges, pretty much. And then the second day, I know for sure she has a vestibular injury because, you know, the fracture right through there. And you put a tuning fork on her ankle and she can hear it in her left ear. So... It's been a really exciting week for only having one patient. It was an action-packed, fun-filled day.
1: Two I think days. that's great that you didn't have like 2 million people lined up for the first week while you're just sort of figuring out the the stuff. Well, and I'm still, you know, paper charts. I still, I also paper chart and then I transfer to the EMR in my free time and uh-huh. I know it's taking double as long, but I just can't, like you said, I just can't, there's something about my legal pad and my pen when I'm taking notes with patients and taking notes with frequency, I can't type and type in the machine and I'm just, I can't do it. So
0: yeah, I'm not sure how that's going to work right now. Sandra is entering my notes in the the EMR as we probably, as we speak.
1: Well, for those of you who are listening and watching, if you go on Facebook, Kevin took these amazing live stream videos and pictures. And if you weren't there in person, I was I was so wanting to come and then couldn't. But um, you felt like you were really there between like the the tours and the food looked amazing. So kudos to your caterer, because that looked unreal. His name is Rafi.
0: Rafi yes. did it. Rafi did it. Oh, amazing. Yep. And so, for those of you listening, he has a degree in nutrition and he's only 25, right? So, he has a degree in nutrition and then he went to culinary school. So, he decided, I don't want to be a line chef in a restaurant. I want to be a private chef. So, when you say all the food has to be gluten free, it goes. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people allergic to garlic. So the two hummus dips, the traditional hummus and the beet hummus, those were garlic free. The little endive leaves with pieces of fruit and beets in it. Yes. And then kale salad with with little um, uh, sweet potatoes little dice sweet potatoes and pomegranates and uh, marinated onions and then salmon with some sort of miraculous dairy-free cream sauce.
1: The shrimp look amazing that's all I know I kept looking at the shrimp so thanks Kevin for making us all wish we were there in person. I'm,
0: I ate it and my mouth is still watering thinking
1: about it. Oh it so good so good I'm so glad that we, I want to talk a little bit about the clinic and, um, cause I was getting a couple questions. Um, so I am not there. I am in California, so I will come and we'll do a sports course there and maybe we'll set up a sports internship or something where I can spend a week and cause you've got the amazing reformer and all the, all the stuff that we could do. So we'll figure that out. But for the most part, um, Patients that are listening, you can contact the clinic and go as a patient. And practitioners that are listening, you can also contact the clinic and set up. Are you not calling them interns, are you? You're calling it um, preceptors or
0: preceptors or trainees or interns sounds better, but um, until we get an academic institution to sponsor us or to give us some sort of formal. qualification. I I have a little difficulty with that. Um, But the, those of you that are on the waiting list, that being said, we have a waiting list of probably 35 ish, 40 ish um, interns, trainees, and another 40 patients.
1: And can you, can you talk a little bit about how the trainees, um, how they set up their time with you? Do you go by a weekend, a week, a month? How are we excited
0: about that? Because the plan is now understand we're building the plane while it's flying. Love The plan is that I see a new patient from 10 to one on Monday. So the intern should arrive on Sunday, at least depending on how much time they need for jet lag and where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. So new patient from 10 to one on Monday, follow-ups from two to four and four to six. So I'll have three patients. It's not, it's not a high volume practice. And so the interns will sit with me during those encounters. And um, that's Monday. Now, prior to the time they come, they have homework that they have to do. They have to have done the core. They have to have done the advanced. Um, it's recommended that they watch certain of the webinars so that they don't have so much homework to do when they go back to the hotel. Um, and then Candace will meet with them. They'll work with me Monday, Tuesday. I'll do a second new patient on Tuesday. <clears throat> and then Candace will meet with them by Zoom on Wednesday morning. And then Wednesday, they can either work with Sandra or they can study in the training area that's in the back. So we have um, 48 inch big screen that they can play um, the advanced or webinars or whatever slide presentation or videos they wanna play. And then um, they'll work with me on Thursday. They're back with Candice on Friday morning and then Uh, From 9 to 10, and then I start at 10 because we all know I don't do mornings really well. And then, um, so the plan is at the end of the first week, the um, practitioners will have a draft that they can clean up, fill in. They'll have the format for how to submit it as a case report. We have some trainees that would prefer to spend two weeks. One has asked for four weeks. One of the chiropractic students is going to be there for three months. And um, the interns are paying $250 a day. So that's 1250 for the week. And, but then if they actually publish that case report, I upped the bribery, um, the incentive, for um, for publishing a paper and the paper publishing is two thousand. If you publish a single or collected case report in any peer-reviewed journal, alternative journals are not always indexed. So indexed on PubMed or abstracted, so the abstract shows up on the internet when you when you do that. So the um, so it just has to be peer-reviewed. So the ulnar nerve paper is in an online physical therapy journal that's peer reviewed. It's not indexed. It's not abstracted, but you can still find it. Right. And it's peer reviewed and Jody got a check for $1,000. Right. So um, everybody so far that's published a paper except for me um, gets a well, and the this new group from here on will be 2000. So If they spend two weeks with us, they get the bulk of that back when they publish a paper. This is my uh, solution to how to get people to publish case reports. It's like, you just do the math. And because it's a fee for service, so the patients are paying for the care. So we don't need an IRB. So we don't, it's not investigational. This is a fee-for-service. The device is approved. The technology of the technique in, um, uh, is, well, it's been around for 25 years. So it's not experimental at all. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the plan. And then we have patients coming with everything from low back pain to next week I have a whole family with POTS. Wow. And she's sending her three children to the vestibular testing center. Um, the girl that's here this week went to see Dr. Reski on Monday morning, went to Good Sam on um, Tuesday for vestibular testing. She was supposed to go get flexion extension films today, but I forgot to call them in. So we'll get those Friday and she'll be back next week because her range of motion doesn't last, mm. especially in flexion. So I'm pretty sure that probably for the way she moves, the way she stair steps, I'm pretty sure that four five or five, six is unstable in some translates in some direction. Right. So that's, that's the plan.
1: And if you want to be a patient at the clinic, um, same thing, contact the, through the website. Do you have a phone number? How's the best way for patients to get on your wait list?
0: That's a really good question. Um, have we figured out the voicemail yet? Uh, Kevin is going, I have not. Yeah. we like, literally we can't, the people that set up our phones, we can't get her to reply to tell us how to access the voicemails. Nice. She just sends us links to videos that I don't want to watch. Just answer the damn phone. <laughs> answer the phone. Tell me what yes. the password is. So okay. we'll find out. It's fsmclinic.com okay. and um, contact at FSM Clinic. The email works. Perfect. So it's contacted at fsmclinic.com. Perfect. So it's, uh, it's kind of like in the resonance effect where it says you just step off the cliff yeah, and what you need shows up. Yes. So it doesn't always look like what you thought it was going to look like, but it's always there. Yes.
1: I love that. So I, I am hesitant to use the word busy because every time someone says, how's it going? And I reply with busy. The universe is like, Oh yeah. You want to see busy? Just wait. Yeah. So my life has been filled with very um, challenging yet um, good cases and um, things on the personal front are um, good. So I'm just going to say good and challenging and just sort of leave it at that. I am. I the knee. Um, so we have a surgical date and that's one of the things I want to talk about today is surgery things, um, that we do with FSM. Um, but, uh, we have a surgical date of the first week of April. Um, but we are waiting so long because there was such restriction in range of motion and such, um, such restriction with range of motion. So the inflammation had gone rapidly down because, though we have fsm for that but the guarding and splinting was a phenomenon with athletes who are high, hardwired in protection mode and um one week of uh, brilliant exercise rehabilitation from two amazing trainers have gotten full range of motion so um we might be able to expedite that but busy surgeons are busy surgeons and um what may seem like we're waiting for a month for surgery, I'm sure we'll take that month now and knock it off the back end. So it will it will all be great. We call it prehab. Exactly. Yes. So um athlete is doing prehab, getting stronger. Um, so it's going to be great. So one of the things I wanted to touch on is again, I kind of go surfing through our FSM message boards on Facebook and I try to see um, repeated questions. And one, one of the two things I want to talk about today that I see surfacing all the time. So topic number one is post-op. So I'll see what's the post-op for shoulder. What's the post-op for knee. What's the post-op for hip post-op is post-op people. It doesn't matter what it is, the vast majority of the recipe that you're searching for and people who are listening, I'm doing quotes for recipe because we don't give out recipes, but you have to troubleshoot what is the surgery. It's just like an injury. What is wrong? Where is it occurring? What was the surgery? What did they do? What tissues were affected? And then you have a lot of the same general um, frequencies that you're going to do to remove the anesthetic stop the bleeding. So. And it changes
0: day to day. I met with a, um, um, uh, what do you call it? It's not cosmetic surgery because he's plastics. He's double boarded in ophthalmology and plastic reconstructive surgery. Okay. So he's the one that did, he and Medicare are the ones that did my eyes. So when you reach a certain amount of droopiness, Medicare will actually it interferes with peripheral vision. So I met with him today to see if we could have him do a pilot, just, just one case, see what he thinks. Because he's seen me and two of my patients over the last 10 years. And so when I went to get my surgery two, two years ago, I said, so what's it look like afterwards? He said, you look like you've been in a bad bar fight. And I said, yeah, I'm not gonna bruise. And he went, You're that one? Said, yeah, you've treated two of my patients. He said, they're unbelievable. I said, Yeah, I know. So what I want him to do is, so we have a custom care. And for those of you that want a recipe, there actually is a recipe for just about the shoulder, knee, hip um, uterus, colon, breast, eyes, and Moe's surgery, because I've seen people that have had all those surgeries. And what I found out when I did my, my eye surgery was I didn't run bleeding, stop bleeding nearly enough so that eyes are really, really vascular. So there are different areas that have more or less vascularity, right? There's so the really thin tissues around the eyes. So I had maybe 20 minutes of 18 and 62. Then further down, it was another 10 minutes, another 20 minutes. Well, what I found was I had to create a second program after I got home that was just running 18 and 62 for 60 minutes. Right. So now when I give him the custom care that's programmed just for eyes, he's gonna put it on the patients when they're still in the operatory and then send them home and tell them to run it four times during the day. And so I need to have bleeding running for longer. So the four-hour window applies. That's the hardest part is getting the surgeon to agree to put it on or allow it to be put on as soon as they're out of PACU. Yeah. Neck surgery, they actually put it on my neck in PACU. George was putting sticky pads on my neck in post PACU's post-anesthesia care unit. Right. That's where they get you sober. Yeah. So, and you just modify it. So if there's not something that's,
1: yeah. Right. And I think that's where I get um, impatient is if you look at the mode banks and you look at all of the postdoc protocols and you, to your point, you've put in quite a few. Your A channels are going to be the same. The modus operandi for post-op is to get them to clear the anesthetic, stop the bleeding so that they don't bruise. They don't get as inflamed. It's like the, it's like the post-workout um, frequency. So what I was doing in my early years of learning FSM is I would print out the programs on the custom care so I could look at them side by side. And I like looking for patterns. So I would see patterns in all the post-op or sorry, all the post-workout and recovery um, programs and the acute injury programs. They are the same because the intent is the same, right? We don't want to tear. We don't want to bruise. We don't want to feel sore. And how can we combat that?
0: Well, and the times are different. Sure. There's a certain time involvement. Like there isn't a post-op elbow. Protocol, right? Somebody right. gets a, um, olecranon fracture and yes. they to be pinned. Um, you have to look at the structure of the elbow. And the biggest problem in any elbow surgery is the nerve. Yeah. Well, in the hip, that's not a drama. Right. Nerves aren't. In the knee, nerves are a big deal. Yes. In the shoulder nerves are a big deal. Yeah. And the abdomen, 396 is not a problem, but the vagus is a problem. Right. So thinking through it, it's like you said, it's the same basic recipe, but the, the tissues are different and you just, like gallbladder these days is laparoscopic. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to look at the, the path of the scope. I had a patient that had a hernia surgery. And he was somebody I was treating in person. And so about two hours of treatment immediately after the procedure. And um, I said, so how are you doing? He said, it's just achy right here. And he put his hand right over the spermatic cord. And it's like, I totally forgot about the spermatic cord. Mm -hmm. So I um, got a precision care out and kept the custom care running on what it was running on, but added the precision care and just ran 40 in the spermatic cord and that achiness went away. Wow. Like, really, it works?
1: <laughs> it's not, it's, okay, fine. Right. I mean, and that's, that's how you test your hypothesis, right? What's under there? Let's try it. What changes? And, you know, we, we talk about, you know, changing, for when you see a first patient, you always say, my goal is to not make you worse. Right. Um, We all kind of have our own little stick that we say to new patients, you know, so you'll say that I'll, I'll say, you know, I want to make a dent in this. And, you know, we, we all have a way of, of saying things. And I know a lot of new practitioners, they want that, you know, 10 out of 10 pain to drop to a one, or they want like something hard to go to a hard smush. And if it doesn't happen, it was a failure or, And you can't get frustrated at that. So I think if you frame it as a practitioner, like make some sort of change, make a little bit of change. Don't make them worse, right? Like start somewhere, throw a hypothesis at it.
0: Well, and the other thing that's happened so differently than it was 25 years ago is managing expectations. Mm read the published papers, people have watched YouTube, people have listened to the podcast, people have read the resonance effect, and they come with this expectation that it's like a magic wand. Right. And it's like that's so when they're 20% better, they're they're well it's not gonna work. And it's like well you're 20% better. So that's that's a that's a win. Right. Okay. So managing expectations is, and that's for the practitioners too. It's part of why I did that thing at the advanced after, what did I call it? Kim and her (laughs) co-conspirators.
1: I saw that.
0: So um, the thing at the advanced is like what you see on the slides makes it look easy, but it's, it has been achieved through dozens of failures or partial successes. Right. Even with this girl with the zygomatic arch, I mean, there's there's metal all across it holding it together. Right. So I did, you know, metallic toxin, that stayed on in in the periosteum. That was, that ran for the whole hour. But then what else is it? Is it inflammation? Is it allergy reaction? And it ended up being inflammation and scarring in the periosteum. Yes. And then the blood supply. And then in her face, if you look at the nerves that are in the face and the neck, scarring in the vagus. I mean, it's just up under the chin. And it was just, it was fascinating.
1: Yes. Yes. It was so fun. Um, We have a a couple little questions or comments before we get there. I want to just check my list because I feel like it's all about me today. Okay. Um, So the other thing that I see circulating um, on our Facebook or um, emails is the topic of headaches. Mm. So. Hmm. My my take on it is again, what's the cause? Headache. To, when I see headache, that's not a diagnosis, right? Headache is a symptom of something else. So you don't stop at headache. Headache can be caused by countless different things. So there's no recipe for a headache. It's not like a fracture. Well, there's- I'm irritated today. I feel like I'm shouting. I don't want to be shouting. Well,
0: no, there are days (laughs) when it's just like that. You're entitled. When I worked for um, Ayerst, we, they had just released, Inderol had just been approved for migraine. We had an eight hour lecture by Diamond was his last name on migraine, different kinds of migraines, different kinds of headaches. So I had one patient that stands out to this day because I spent all day working on this horrible headache. And it wasn't till I'd worked on her, well, I mean, I worked on her for three hours trying to get rid of this headache. And at two and a half hours, she mentioned that she wanted to be hydrated that day. So instead of drinking her usual two cups of coffee, she had not had any caffeine. So what she had was a caffeine withdrawal headache and there's no solution for that, except I went out into the clinic and brewed a cup of black tea and drink that and your headache will be gone in about 20 minutes. Right. So there's, nobody has a migraine every day for two years. Right. you do a sensory exam, it's a C2 nerve root. Trigger points in different muscles, suboccipitals especially will refer pain to the head. SCM. Um, SCM, yep, upper trap, yeah. suboccipitals, temporalis. Pterygoids. Perigoid. Yeah. Where where is your headache? Right. The headache is, well, is it here along the side of your head? Right. that just at the base of your skull, well, that's the supine cervical practicum. Uh-huh. Is it across the front? Is it across the back? Then you do a sensory exam and see if it's a C2 nerve root. Right. And it's just like... Uh,
1: Is it post-COVID, right? We were seeing post-COVID headaches. Yeah. Um, had one. So that's where I go now because thank you, universe. Um, it's not just... It's not just musculoskeletal. For the virus. Right. Right. Yeah. So to those of you who are looking for the headache recipe, this is one that you have to dig a little bit to figure out not just where are they feeling it, but what's the onset? When do they get it? Yeah. Is it, is it something as easy as coffee or dehydrated?
0: Oh, well, there was another patient. Once again, the patient only has headaches on the weekend. That's strange. Only has headaches on the weekend. Do you do anything different on the weekend? No. Literally an hour of history. And it's like, do you drink coffee at work? Oh, yeah, we have a pot of coffee going all the time. And I drink probably four or five cups in a day. Do you drink coffee at home? No, actually, we don't. Okay, well, that was the missing link. Why, why she had headaches only on the weekend? Because her husband was a nice guy. It wasn't that she was just, un- <laughs> yeah, just so. See, that, and this webinar—it's it, always in the history.
1: Yes, and it's funny. I always wanted to be a detective growing up. I loved watching detective shows on TV. And a lot of of my family is in law enforcement and I used to think like, maybe I missed my calling, but no. And then enters FSM where I get to be a super sleuth every single day that I go to the clinic because you you have to kind of follow it. And you, you used to have a saying at the advance about following the spark. And I used to imagine the spark going through somebody's body, but I also think of it as my own synapses in my brain going, keep going. No, you're almost there. No, keep following the breadcrumbs. Um, so you, you treat
0: what occurs to you first. Yes. And then you see what's left. So right. when I was in general practice, it was twice a week for four to six weeks. That's the recipe in, in the core. for four to six weeks. And now I've got patients that are just going to be there for five, five days, or maybe 10 days. So I don't have six weeks. Right. You treat what occurs to you first, and then you see what lasts and what doesn't last. Some of it will last. And you see them the second day and you go, Hmm, now what do I tweak? Right and then so you peel the onion back
1: a bit um, each time yeah makes it pretty fun oh so much fun and when would a manual therapist ever work with a device and say to herself it's never the muscle <laughs> like like just think about that sentence for a minute like, I know. it's crazy I, I
0: really feel like um, I'm, I'm getting already a little anxious about having this conversation with John Sharkey.
1: Well, can you, can you FaceTime live me when you do? (laughs) I don't know. It's like, it's the, it's the eight hour time
0: zone difference. That's going to be killer, but there may be medication or uh, something involved because he's so fashionistas are so um, uh, dedicated to the model they have. Right. Because they can't treat the nerve they forget that the nerve that the fascia is innervated and if it's innervated then it's controlled by the nerve the spinal cord the cerebellum the thalamus the hippocampus and the sensory motor cortex
1: right
0: and it's like the fascia does not exist outside of that loop right and it's i'm it was really fun watching Jay Shaw's face. With um, David Murphy came over from Ireland. Yes, and he has that loss of descending inhibition that we talk about in the core. Mm-hmm. So at first I was running forty and ten and eighty one and ten at the same time, and his muscles get small, soft, and then hard again, and then soft, and then hard again, and it's like what is that about? And I finally had them turn off 40 and 80 81 and 10 just softened his legs and his trunk and his arms
1: without 40
0: being run without 40 so that we did on uh wednesday night then jay shaw comes on thursday and i said um you gotta see this so fortunately murphy had. his legs were hard again, really tight. And I said, Jay, come feel this. So we tapped his reflexes, super hyper reflexic, wicked tone, like plus four out of four, three out of four tone. And we ran 81 and 10 and the whole thing just turns to pudding in 20 minutes. And Jay did the reflexes and they're completely normal. And the look on his face was, uh, um, that? yeah. So he, he can't get his head around the concept that I have for it, which is descending inhibition, mm-hmm. right? So what neurotransmitter are we affecting? It has to be GABA, it
1: has to be. It's the only right. thing that makes sense.
0: It is. It's the only one that does that. We've got dopamine and acetylcholine. Yeah, and GABA is the only one that goes the other way. Right, right. So we'll see. It's going to be fun. with With any luck, we'll be able to demonstrate that to Sharkey.
1: Okay, let's take a quick uh, comment question here. Um, Okay, so I am a PT, on a precision care and a custom care. Have recently been discharged after eleven days in the hospital for diverticulitis with abscess. Uh, treated with antibiotics and a oh question froze here.
0: Drain was installed to drain the abscess. There's also a fistula. Yikes! I believe everything is healing. I will be reevaluated next week about the drain healing and possible surgery. Been using immune support concussion in Vegas. Okay, so here's the first thing I don't know who LA is. Oh, Linda Avery. Linda, you can't run the Vegas. Um, nope. Mm-mm. It's never going to work uh, because the Vegas notifies the brain about infection, stress, and trauma, and you have at, at least infection and trauma, and the midbrain will turn off the Vegas faster than you can turn it on. And the second thing is you're actually, the vagus suppresses the immune system. So you want the vagus quiet, you want it suppressed. So concussion, yes, immune support, yes. All the infection frequencies that we have. So pus, pus encapsulated, plus every enterococcus that we have. Um, and, um, and then treat the gut, for torn and broken and trauma paralysis don't run 40 because you have an infection and um and yeah i have diverticulitis as well but i recognized it early and so i am literally never without uh augmentin and metronidazole they are they are always in the same bag uh, when i travel um that my supplements are in Can you explain what those two drugs
1: do for the lay people?
0: Sorry, Um, augmentin is a, it's amoxicillin and another combined with another antibiotic. They're both for um, uh, basically aerobic infections Um, and metronidazole is for, I think, anaerobic infections. Antibiotics are the one class of drugs that I haven't sold So infectious diseases and antibiotics are my worst topic, but that's my understanding. And you take them together for diverticulitis because the way diverticulitis works is there's this little pouch that you create um, that's probably the size of a kernel of corn or even a raspberry seed or a strawberry seed. And you'll get a, a little particle of food in it. And that it just rests there and sort of festers and creates an infection. When the infection gets bad enough, it'll rupture. And that's where your fistula came from. And you can get peritonitis. Um, Yeah, diverticulitis is not something to blow off. It's a good thing that you kept your colon, yay. Um, And it would be nice to avoid surgery, but if they can't, repair that portion of your colon. So I have a protocol I wrote for diverticulitis for myself. So 124, and to treat the prolapse, the little little pocket. Um, Because you're infected, you shouldn't run inflammation, but you'd run torn and broken prolapse um, and all the infection, pus and pus encapsulated, fermentative and putrefactive toxin and everything else you can find in the advance that would work. And um, immune support's a good thing. Um, they've got you on antibiotics, probably massive doses of vitamin C. The other thing, they tell you to avoid fiber, which to me is backwards, because what you want to do is um, keep the stool liquid so it doesn't sit in the diverticuli and stretch them. So um, magnesium citrate and vitamin C um, to keep things moving quickly and hope for the best. And if they say you need surgery, find the best gastroenterologist you know and make a deal with him that you're going to use FSM immediately post-op. And you take the post-op gut, I think it's post-op gut and you take out everything except your or either in the sigmoid or the uh, descending colon. Those are the two most common places. And you just modify it for that. And then it's, and you, and you can tell the surgeon, the device is approved in the category of tens devices, and there's very good data on tens devices in, um, post-operative care for reducing, reducing pain. Yep. So you don't tell him the story about Harry or the resonance effect or anything else. He doesn't need to know that it's my current. It's approved as a tens. It's not actually a tens, but it'll help keep my post-op pain down. And, um, if you don't say yes, I'll find another surgeon. That's the other one. It's like, Or the other thing you can say, if you don't feel comfortable being that with the surgeon, you can say, okay, if you say no, I just want you to write in the chart that I asked for this palliative FDA approved device and you refused. And then he starts thinking about malpractice insurance. Most of us do. And then, um, and then he'll say, "Oh sure, yes, you can." And then you have to say, "Yeah, you, I need it in writing in your notes, in your post-operative notes. It has to be in writing, or it doesn't count." At which point they go, "Dread," out. <laughs> so then they um, they write it in the post-op notes. So the guy, the surgeon that did my hips, said, "Okay," rolled his eyes okay to use weird chiropractic electrical gadget seriously (laughs) that's what his note said
1: (laughs) i love that that's great i mean i i slapped it on my daughter um when she she was not conscious yet they for peds they bring them out when they're not conscious so when they wake up they have mom or dad there, so it's perfect for those of you who work with kids, because you can really sneak it on really fast. So when my daughter had her um, talocalcaneal fusion um, sawed apart, the nurse in PACU was like, "Whoa, what are you doing?" I'm like, "It's just a tens machine. It's gonna help. It's gonna help with everything." She's like, "Is it gonna mess up the cardiac monitor?" I'm like, "Nope." She's like, eh, "Put it on." <laughs>
0: And that's the other thing, if they're on monitoring, you have to use a magnetic converter. Right. (laughs) Because if you put current on, even on their ankle, it's gonna scramble the converter. Right,
1: the cardiac cardiac monitor, yeah.
0: And that makes everybody
1: anxious. Nervous. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, so there you go. Okay. So that was a great Uh, question. Good luck, be brave. Yes, and you will use this experience as a PT to help others with, um, digestion, diverticulitis, all of those um, scenarios. So
0: abdominal adhesions because eight weeks, 10 weeks after your surgery, there's going to be a sore spot down there on that left-hand side where everything leaked in the first place, where they did the surgery in the second place. Um, and so you wait, 10 12 weeks until everything's sort of firmed up. They take the drains out, colon's reattached, all that stuff. And then you can even work on yourself and just play around with wait, find the tight spot, wait, and then push it, press on it, and then
1: 13. Yep. So this is leading me into, I have two more topics to talk about and you just organically threw out a segue. I could go to both. I'm going to go with one first. So I'm not sure if it was the last podcast or a few podcasts ago, but I was talking about um, a soas release. I call them utensils. Oh. Okay. That's now I can say that's a good face. So I got my very first piece of hate mail from somebody who invented one or sells one. I don't know, I didn't really read through it that well, but they were very angry with me, called me choice words of being ignorant that I felt so firmly against something that I had no right to comment like that for. So I'd like to address that super quickly. um, because I have a podcast and they don't. So I get to just say this quickly. Um, I challenge you and invite you to go on to Google and just type in the word omentum, just type in omentum, and you will clearly see all the layers of fat and organ and adipose and other tissues that are on top of the psoas muscle. And once you see, and that's anybody who's listening to this podcast, whether you're in physical medicine or you're just a patient listening, if you Google omentum or abdominal cavity and you want to see all the layers of other tissues that lay in front of someone's psoas. There's everything in the gut.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's like you being so polite. It's like Google the omentum. Take a freaking anatomy class. Okay. Sorry. All right.
1: I'll, I'll come down now. <laughs> no, I was very fired up when I read this. So um, person who wrote me the hate mail, I would invite you to come onto our podcast as a guest, perhaps one day, and you can have a platform to talk about how your utensil works. We'd love to have you on. I'm very open-minded as a manual therapist who never worked with the device, who now does and it's never the muscle. Um, I'm all ears and I realize after being in this business over two decades, I always have a lot to learn and there's more than one way to skin a cat. However, I'm just going to say it, sticking a metal rod in someone's gut thinking you're releasing the muscle that never causes the problem in the first place. Isn't the way to go. I'm just going to say it.
0: Well, and I will add to that, to support what you just said, I was married to David Simons, the trigger, the trigger point guy, right? Yes. David dug on, he had a Theracane, which is a plastic Huck. shaped gadget with a ball on the end of it. And yeah. he's sitting in there every morning and every night, digging on his QLs and digging on his psoas, his psoas in the front. And so we took our first trip together and he said, you have got to treat my QLs because I, I swear David fell in love with me because I could treat trigger points. Yes. And so I, I treated the muscle, nothing happened. Hmm. Then I took a look at his films. He had his x-rays with him because we were at Jefferson Medical School lecturing. And I'm looking at his x-rays and it is, I mean, discs, facets, ugly, 82-year-old spine. Mm -hmm. And um, so I treated inflammation in the discs, the facets. So the facets, the cartilage, the joint capsule, the bone, treated the inflammation in those structures. And all of the trigger points in the QLs and the psoas, disappeared. I didn't even have to treat the ureter and the psoas. This really was spinal causation, somatosensory causation of myofascial trigger points. Yes. And we get to treat the cause. So here is the man treating himself with this, what did that implement thing? Utensil. Utensil. (laughs) <laughs> That's what and, I, call it. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that use this thing. The fact that it never works doesn't seem to bother them.
1: No. And I think some people get a kick out of the pain that it might create thinking pain gain. Right. Um, but there's, oh God, there's so much to talk about. I could talk about this for an hour, as good as somebody's hands are, if you see the, the best manual therapists in the world could treat my psoas, and they're still going to cause collateral damage to the superficial structures on top of that tissue. That is undeniable, irrefutable fact. Not my opinion. That is an objective statement. Well, now take anatomy class, just take an anatomy class, take it no, even better. Go to a, a dissection course. And when you're up to your elbows in somebody's um, abdominal cavity, and you see everything that's on top of it, you are silly to think that you can access that. That would be one side of the argument. The other side is the psoas is never tight. We from, it doesn't come from outer space. Okay. The psoas never, and I'll, yes, it can get shortened. Everything we do is we're all anteriorly shortened because we sit and we drive and everything is in front of us, but that's never the cause of the pain. Ever. So. I have never
0: seen you so agitated ever. This is great. <laughs> <So bad. laughs>
1: well, I, like I said, I was kind of flattered that I got some hate mail. Um, and I, it's, it's, it's just mileage. It's, this is not my first gig. I haven't been doing this for a week. I've been doing this for over two decades and. Whoa we
0: had, we were listed on quack watch in 2000, 2001, I think. And one of my practitioners was so upset because we were listed on quack watch and it's like, Oh my God, that's the highest compliment. Yeah. Well, number one, the, the guy that started quack watch doesn't have a medical license anymore. He's an MD, but he doesn't practice. He just poo-poos everything except drugs and surgery. Right. But look at the other things that are on Quack, Quack Watch, functional medicine, all nutrition, acupuncture, yeah. massage, physical therapy, um, every, everything except for drugs and surgery. Right. And then in order to be thought of as being effective, a drug just has to be more so, placebos are automatically around 30 okay. percent effective in order to be approved by the FDA. Like Lyrica, I watched a, a presentation on Lyrica at Focus on Pain. Lyrica was 37 percent improvement, wow. and the placebo was 30 percent.
1: It's amazing. And
0: it's like now, it could be that someplace the data is in a different study. But this guy was really proud of the fact that it was okay. And that's the standard. Okay. Yeah. So I love being us.
1: I I do too. Yeah. Um, One more comment here. Um, So somebody wrote in while driving. I love listening to the podcast. Yay. From the buddy app. However, my app podcasts end at December, 2021. Am I missing an update? I don't know about the buddy app updates um, and then that's yeah. JJ. So reach out to JJ, by the way, I love the dynamic between the two of you. Thank you. Yeah. And I am being reminded of things over and over. And I really um, feel these reminders are helping me be a better practitioner. Thank you. Well, thank you, Tori. That's kind of what Thanks. this was all about, right? Is just repeating maybe things over and over again until
0: <laughs> people It was so much fun in Phoenix when we were side-by-side. The comments we got about that one was like amazing. I know.
1: I felt like I was like a a news anchor co-host. Yeah. Exactly. So when we're live again, we'll have to do it again.
0: By the way, in June. Yes. Just found out that I have to go to Poland first before I go to Italy. And the only, I figured I could fly out at nine o'clock at night, like you do when you go to Germany yeah you can't get there from here you can't get to warsaw without leaving at 11 o'clock in the morning so on june 1st you're going to be on your own okay well and also actually the whole month of june because i'm going to be in italy i I
1: have so many guests um, that i would love to bring on so maybe i'll just kind of bank them all for june and then because when you and i are together i mean we'll bring on a guest once in a while but it's just so much, um, there's so much to talk about when it's just you and I. Yeah. Um, I have one more um, question Ben's here. Idea. What's that? You could have Ben Catholio. Or Dan. Yeah, we could. Yeah. Or Candace. Yes. Yeah. We have so many ideas. That's cool. Okay. Um, interrupted. It's okay. One more comment that um, I have been looking at. And I think it's a great one because it came from somebody who'd been practicing a long time and it was how long should I stick with a frequency until I notice the change? And it's hard because some are time dependent, but let me start by saying, so 124, yes, it's time dependent, but you will still get, a relatively quick reaction when it's indicated. So the pain will go down, it will smush, other structures will loosen up. Um, so even though we know it's time dependent, it's still pretty quick on the radar when you create, when you know that it's indicated.
0: Something, something shows up, like the pain starts to go down or the tissues soften within well, when I first started doing FSM, I would stay on something for three, two, three minutes. Right. For I noticed anything. Now it's t- 20, 30 seconds. You can right. feel something change because you're, you're more, Sensitivity. Sensitive. Yeah, yeah. more sensitive. What does smush feel like? and it's like okay that's changing something and then like with this girl yesterday the she said, what are you feeling so she was still tender but it was softer yes and it's like okay so and i used 91 it's like yeah that's not doing it and so that's hardening so little crystals in the periosteum right. but metallic toxin worked so well that i had one machine running on that the whole time right and then inflammation yep that was a good one and that's like 91 didn't work what else could it's been three months so it's scarring in the periosteum and the blood supply and the little nerves and it it's just it's in
1: seconds yes so that's a really good question yes so. yes yes it's all the things it's just yes and manette thank you for coming in june i appreciate it um right, um yeah and there's lots of different ways to listen to the podcast so the buddy is a great way but you can look on um frequency specific has if you go to podcasts and you can watch them on youtube and you can listen to them wherever you get your podcasts and there's many different ways to find us
0: which is sort of amazing to me like yay
1: I know, and it's. I was looking the other day. I was trying somebody to ask me about something. I said, "Oh, I talked about it on the podcast a little while ago," and I was shocked how many episodes we have. Because to me, I feel like we only have like five. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, it's <laughs> twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. Twenty-eight episodes. Unbelievable. Twenty-eight weeks we've been doing this. Who that's, would have thought? Right. That's crazy.
0: It is, and it's just. It's kind of like sitting in the kitchen. The only thing that's missing is. You know, appetizers and champagne.
1: Right. We bring our teas and coffees usually, and that's about it. And sometimes our pets. Mm-hmm. Our pets are really good today. So but that's it. That's all we have time for today. It's five o'clock already. It's five. That's what my alarms are telling me.
0: <laughs> Amazing. I'm sitting here looking at my phone. It's like, yep, 459.
1: Wow. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. But this time is like a minute like a minute ahead and McMakin time is 10 minutes past. So,
0: so we have a whole, we've got more time. There you go. Hey, Good to see you.
1: Thank you everybody. Um, keep the questions coming, keep the hate mail coming because that fires me up and it makes me a better person. So, um,
0: <laughs> bring
1: out the inner Italian. It's, it's, it's coming. Yes. Yeah. It's, um, it's growing. See, I already have the hand signals going. So it's uh, go. it's, it's festering and it's brewing. There you go. It's Thank you. Two good things. You too. And we'll see you in a week. See you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. The Frequency Specific Microcurrent Podcast has been produced by Frequency Specific Seminars for entertainment, educational, and information purposes only. The information and opinion provided in the podcast are not medical advice, do not create any type of po- doctor-patient relationship, ...unless expressly stated, do not reflect the opinions of its affiliates, subsidiaries, or sponsors, or the hosts, or any of the podcast guests or affiliated professional organizations. No person should act or refrain from acting on the basis of the content provided in any podcast without first seeking appropriate medical advice and counseling. No information provided in any podcast should be used as a substitute for personalized medical advice and counseling. FSS expressly disclaims any and all liability relating to any actions taken or not taken based on or any contents of this podcast.